Hello and good morning to American participants. Welcome to the Auto One Group fourth quarter and full year 2021 results presentation. I'm Philip Reichert, Software Group Treasurer. As always, I'm joined by Christian Gartman, co-founder and CEO, and Marcus Sosa, our CFO. We will start with the presentation followed by questions and answers. You can now find these slides also on our IR webpage. If you would like to ask a question following the presentation, please raise it by the usual Zoom Q&A tool at the bottom of the screen. We will then call you to ask your questions directly at the end of the presentation. Before I hand over, I must make you aware of the safe harbor provisions at the beginning of the presentation. This will apply to any forward-looking statements made by management today. And now over to you, Christian. Thank you, Philip. Good afternoon, everyone from Berlin, and welcome to the Auto One Group Q4 and Full Year 21 earnings call. When we set out on our IPO journey in February of last year, we articulated our goal to become the largest and most profitable car dealer in the EU by creating outstanding experiences for our customers. We were investing from a strong base. A profitable merchant business had already become the largest wholesaler of used cars in the EU in nine short years as a result of us thinking in digital systems. By raising around 1 billion euro equity at IPO, we set out to leverage our technology, logistics, and branding strength to invest for a massive size, creating a leading retailer in the 600 billion euro used car market in Europe, in which we believe online buying will become the dominant transaction in the future. Despite the market passing brutal for technology companies over the last couple of months, and certainly for Auto One Group shareholders, 21 was a year with many key accomplishments. By almost any measure, Auto One is in a stronger position today than at any time in the past. In 21, we achieved new records in revenue and total gross profit, and we cemented our market-leading position in wholesale. We are proud to say that only one year after our IPO, we are the leading online retailer in the EU. As a result of our relentless focus on outstanding experiences, our retail customers awarded us with a net promoter score of 69, 16 points, or 30% higher than in March of last year. Our merchant business continued to be a profitable and cash flow generating segment for us, about which we will give more details later in this one-off disclosure. And despite high levels of investment in our retail business, our balance sheets remain strong with more than 720 million euro of cash and cash equivalent at the end of the year. In the following, I will share more details about each of our key accomplishments in 21, and then continue with our outlook on 22, our goals, and our view of the current market environment. Please note that I share my thoughts on 21, our history, our skill sets, investment opportunities, and the financial profile of a successful online retailer in my first annual letter to shareholders, which is available on the IR section of our group website as of this morning. Taking a look at our Q4 group results, we grew revenue by 99% to 1.55 billion euros. This impressive growth was driven by a 40% increase in average selling price last year and a 42% increase in units sold year over year. These two factors led to a record level of 129 million euro of total gross profit, growing 56% year over year. Both results reflect the strength and the unique nature of the platform we have built, which is able to gain market share constrained market environment. The strength of our platform allowed us to summon our position as Europe's largest used car platform in 21. 
He increased total units sold by 31% and average selling price by 29%, leading to a group revenue of 4.8 billion euro. 2 billion euro, or 69% higher than a year ago. Total gross profit increased by 145 million euro to 431 million euro, which represents a 51% increase. We are proud of excellent levels of growth we achieved in 21 because we realized them in a market that shrunk in overall available units, confirming the advantage of our way of thinking and operating. On our path to the company we want to become, we are operating under two strategic goals, representing the cornerstones of our way of doing business. First, we aim to create outstanding customer experience. We believe that our competition undervalues the importance of customer happiness for our market, reducing their future market share potential. We are convinced that providing excellent customer experiences will allow us to build one of the strongest brands in this industry, expanding our future market share and profitability potential. Second, we aim to leverage the unique platform we have built to gain market share. We believe that by continuing to think in digital systems, we will be able to add a significant amount of buyers and sellers over time. Growing momentum in our platform will allow us to expand our market leadership and automatic pricing and precision, reduce logistic costs and cost further, and leverage price differences across our markets better. We assume that those factors can directly translate into higher future market shares and increased profitability. In 21, we created numerous outstanding experiences. Our retail customers gave us a net promoter score of 69 for February of this year, which is 16 points higher than 12 months ago. Throughout the full year, it was our aim to make our retail product experience more desirable which we believe is primarily driven by five elements. Selection, price, effort, delivery time, and quality. While we learned about, a lot about our retail business last year, it still feels it's just the beginning, and we need to learn so much more. We are very focused on understanding those inputs to our business model and expect to make significant progress on each of those inputs of the course of this year. We're investing a considerable amount of resources to tailor the selection of cars offered in our store to the demand of our customers with the goal to drive up the number of cars sold through the same amount of cash. We aim to start pricing retail cars fully automatic in 2022, leading to less errors, enhancing our gross profit per car. We are investing a significant amount of our technology resources into the further development of our retail store, which we aim to reduce conversion blockers and help our customers to find their next car faster. We have started to learn how to connect our retail business to existing logistic infrastructure better with the aim to reduce delivery time for our customers, in turn driving up conversion of units sold. And finally, we started to understand the relation between our refurbishment standards, our customer's quality expectation, and the associated refurbishment costs much better, and expect significant progress in this area over the course of this year. We believe that progress in each of those infrastructures will allow us to create the desirable experiences that we associate with buying a car online, in turn, growing the strength of our brand. While brand awareness is certainly not the only element of a successful brand, we have made considerable progress with it over the course of last year. Turning to our second strategic goal, leveraging our platform to gain market share, we have made substantial progress. In a market environment that was characterized by strong competition and sourcing, substantial price increases, in many of our core markets, clearly below the unit volume in 2019, our platform executed well. We were able to grow our market share by 
back to the 2019 pre-pandemic level of 2.1%, while COVID certainly continues to have an impact on our business throughout the last year. Notably, we also changed the mix of cars towards versus 2019 by reducing the segment below 800 euro and growing the share of cars larger 800 euro to an all-time high of 88%. This trend reflects the introduction of cell from home in 2020 and our growing confidence in pricing cars for retail, resulting in strongly improved business economics for the merchant business. In addition to our two strategic goals, we are operating under a set of three financial goals, navigating our path to the company we want to become. First, we aim to grow the number of units sold in both our merchant and retail businesses, they are the multiplier behind our revenue and gross profit. Secondly, we aim to grow total gross profit by a unit and GPU increases. And third, we start executing our plan to reach group profitability. Units in our merchant business have grown by 109,000 over the course of last year representing a growth of 24% year-over-year. Despite the challenging environment described earlier and high absolute amount of parts selected for our retail business, our merchant business proved to be solid with substantial growth rates. We started strongly into the new year and see our initial results as a confirmation of our strategy and the strength of our platform. Nevertheless, current market conditions present a heightened level of uncertainty. For the full year, we expect between 580,000 and 680,000 merchant units sold. Since the start of the war, the demand from dealers, especially in our Eastern European market, has reduced momentarily, and it is quite hard to forecast how it will develop given the ongoing conflict. The low end of the corridor represents our forecast assuming the currently reduced demand and carry on throughout the rest of the year. The high end of the corridor assumes a return to pre-war demand levels within the next couple of weeks in the market environment that is comparable to 21 in terms of absolute units sold in our market, relative price level, and overall demand for used cars. Units in our retail business have grown substantially throughout 21, making us the leading online retailer in the EU. For the full year, we sold 41,400 units, which represents an increase of 308% year-over-year. Our retail business cost 200 million euro of revenue per quarter for the first time in Q4 of last year, indicating the strong demand for our offering and representing a 296% increase year-over-year. With respect to Q1 units, we are seeing the following trends. First, continued increases in useful prices led to certain segments of buyers delay their purchases. This especially affects buyer segments with lower income. Second, the ongoing spread of the Omicron variant with its higher transmissibility is impacting the output levels in useful production and logistics. Finally, since the start of the war in Ukraine, we have seen an overall reduction of purchase intent for retail cars as a result of heightened geopolitical uncertainty. Therefore, we took the decision to concentrate on improvements of our retail GPU, accelerating our track towards our midterm target of 1,000 euro that we originally set out for 23. For Q1 units sold, we expect between 14,000 and 15,000 deliveries. Nevertheless, this year, we're expecting between 70,000 and 90,000 units sold in the full year. Our, rest, our investments in smarter selection, improved store conversion, and automatic pricing for retail parts make us confident in our full-year unit guidance. Our Q4 retail GPU improved slightly in Q3 last year with an increase of 53 euro. We expect retail GPU for Q1 to be between 600 and 700 euro, representing an increase of 345 to 245 euro versus Q1 12 months ago. We're attributing the expected increase 
primarily the reduction of third-party refurbishment costs and a smarter selection of units within our refurbishment operations that match our GP requirements. We are not yet seeing effects from improved selection, automatic pricing, internal refurbishment, improved delivery time, or conversion improvements within our store. Each of those measures will drive different pockets of GP expansion on our path towards 2,000 euros. Our in-house production plan continues to be on track in presenting a key GP driver of the future. In total, we signed four production centers with a capacity of 90,000 units at maximum utilization until now and expect this announcement over the course of 2022. As of today, our centers in Hamau, Germany, and Warsaw, Poland have commenced operation and are now in ramp-up mode. We expect our centers in Berlin and Toledo, Spain to start production in Q2. Early data of our refurbishment centers in operation suggests that despite being far off their maximum utilization levels, internal refurbishment is already 30% cheaper than buying it from a third party. We have increased our total gross profit to the group by 145 million euro over the course of last year, representing an increase of 51% year over year. While our strong growth in total units sold certainly contributed to this result, also the absolute level of GPU realized is substantially higher than we anticipated at our IPO. While we guided to 650 euro for our merchant GPU percent, we now expect it to be between 675 and 800 euro going forward, even as we increase in remarketing units further. We believe that these heightened levels of merchant GPU are primarily a result of our improved ability to price retail which creates still a spillover effect for our merchant partners on units that we initially mark for retail and deselect later. For the full year, we are expecting between 270 million and 580 million euro of total gross profit using the same corridor assumptions as explained for merchant units. A key element on our route to group like even and the profitability of our merchant business. We add a 1.5 billion euro of revenue last year to this segment, representing 51% annual growth, an increased cost profit by 133 million euro, representing a growth of 47%. We have decided to report our segment contribution in merchant for the first time in this one-off disclosure to showcase the financial strength of the business we have built. In total, our merchant segment contributed 125 million euros for our group results before a headquarter cost. The majority of our headquarter costs represent resources that we invest into the future growth and profitability of our retail business. I would now like to hand over to Marcus, who will give you more details around segment profitability. Thank you, Christian. Perhaps we go into this in a little bit more detail. Our merchant business had a circa 3% EBITDA margin before headquarter costs of around 73 million in total, despite ongoing growth investments in remarketing business generation. Merchant costs include all C2B purchasing payroll and overhead costs, as well as C2B marketing costs related to merchant units, all B2B sourcing costs related to merchant units, as well as merchant sales payroll costs and overhead, as well as internal merchant logistics. We further broken that 73 million euro headquarter cost down, as the majority of it relates to investments in the retail business. Around 80 to 90 percent of our 37 million euros in tax spending, and a similar percentage in HR, relates to investments into retail as we build that business up. A significant portion of the 23 million and other relates to management, legal, and finance which of course also has substantial detail focus. We believe that the minus 159 million euro segment contribution of retail is a valuable investment to capture the significant higher GPU and profit pool in that business, and most notably reflects investments in marketing, but also investments into customer service, logistics, and of course, production of retail vehicles. We're providing this disclosure as a one-off, as we ultimately want to manage those overall profitable total EBITDA growth and not manage for pure merchant segment contribution, 
as investments in a retail business turn increasingly profitable over the next few years. Looking back on our financial progress in 2021, we wanted to further reflect on how this relates to the long-term profitability goals we set out at IPO. By investing in a retail business and the development in merchant GPUs, we continue to make progress through our long-term mid-to-high teams gross margin guidance. As Christian already mentioned, our technology investments in sell-from-home and retail have made our G- merchant GPUs sustainably higher. While on a percentage basis, however, the massive growth of AutoHero at a much lower GPU has in 2021 led to a dilution in our margins. We expect that 2022 and 2023 will be transitions into a sustainably higher gross margin as a significant growth of AutoHero units and expansion of AutoHero GPUs combined with higher merchant GPUs will enable the full business to increase the overall gross margin on a consolidated basis. At the same time, we already have best-in-class operating margins in our merchant business, even though we continue to invest significantly in growing the remarketing business in particular. Our personnel and other expenses are ahead of our long-term guidance in merchants. For our investments in retail production and operations brings our overall cost as a percentage of revenue up. Likewise, in marketing, we are in line with our long-term guidance in merchants, but are investing in building our brand, which will continue. Lastly, we are ahead on our long-term logistics guidance in the merchant business and believe that we will grow out of the current inefficiencies in retail internal logistics as we gain greater scale and a denser network. We continue to plan to be profitable on an adjusted EBITDA basis by Q4 2023. We benefit from a very strong balance sheet with notably no corporate debt. We ended 2021 with ca 721 million euros in cash and liquid investments, as well as 586 million inventory and almost 50 million euros in receivables from our burgeoning consumer finance business. With respect to the inventory, we recently increased our inventory ABS from a 435 million euro to a 1 billion euro program. Together with the available headroom on this facility, we end the year with over 900 million euros of available liquidity. We continue to be on track to sign a consumer financing ABX this quarter that have previously called the warehouse facility in previous calls. This would, of course, bring us to an even higher liquidity position. Before going to our guidance, I'd like to briefly highlight our recently announced 1 billion euro inventory financing program. This is an increase and extension of our rated pan-European asset-backed securitization inventory financing program which provides scalable, non-recourse financing on our cards at a total cost of capital of below 2%. We fully consolidate the assets and liabilities in our financial statements, even though it is non-recourse to us. There is no doubt that today's macro climate creates a lot of uncertainty around the market for 2022. On the one hand, the ongoing lack of new cars, which is likely to be exacerbated with supply constraints from Russia and the Ukraine, and the resulting high price levels for used cars means that our unique sourcing platform continues to be in high demand. On the other hand, FX volatility in our Eastern European markets, high petrol prices, overall consumer concerns over geopolitical issues, and the increase in used car prices over the last few years is clearly having an impact on consumer and dealer demand. The low end of our forecasts assumes that the current demand situation, which we've seen post-invasion in week seven, continues through the rest of the year whereas at the high end assumes an improving demand situation in the coming weeks back to pre-war levels, as well as a market environment that is comparable to 2021 in terms of absolute units sold in our markets, relative price level, and overall demand for used cars. We therefore expect group revenues of between 5.7 and 6.8 billion euros, with a gross profit of between 470 to 580 million euros, and an adjusted EBITDA margin between minus 2 and minus 3%. We expect total group units between 650 and 770,000 this year, with 580 to 680,000 in merchant and 70 to 90,000 in auto hero. Overall, we are on track to execute our vision to digitize the massive European used car market at a high pace. Auto One Group is a unique asset. While the current environment brings its challenges in the short term, all critical ingredients for our long-term success remain intact. 
Our team is incredibly talented and hardworking to execute on our path towards market leadership and the outside profits that e-commerce leaders enjoy. We have the data, the systems, the brand, the customer relationships, the fulfillment network, the financial strength, the experience, and the dedication to realize our vision to make Auto One a profitable market leader. This concludes our presentation and now to Q&A. Hi everyone, I am Raphael, your Zoom operator. Before we get started, we would like to review a few technical items to make sure that you can interact with us today. At the bottom of your Zoom window, you will find three buttons, audio settings, Q&A, and chat. Audio settings. Clicking audio settings will bring up the audio preferences for this webinar. Please make sure that the most appropriate audio device is selected here. As a viewer in this session, your microphone will remain muted as will your video. Q&A. Please submit your questions via the Q&A icon. Click the Q&A icon and a window will appear where you may submit your questions. Once received, Philip will moderate the questions and ask the author to address management live. To that end, I will open the line for you, following to which you will need to unmute yourself before we will be able to speak. We will address as many questions as possible live during today's session, but may respond to some questions offline after the event. Thank you, Raphael. Uh, we will start with Lisa Young from Goldman Sachs. Lisa, given that you have quite a number of questions, maybe we can just uh, take your top three or four questions and if you have them in sequence, so it's easier for Chris and Marcus to answer them and also to be listening to uh, hear your questions. Yeah, Lisa Lai Young, your line is open. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my, my questions. Uh, the first one is obviously on uh, the current trading uh, environment. You, you talked about, you know, weaker consumer sentiment. You can't see some of your markets. I'm just wondering if you could give us more color on which market in particular you're, you're seeing an impact uh, and what sort of magnitude we're, we're talking about. Um, so if you can give us maybe a sort of margin rate versus how it compares versus January summary. Um, and a question, if you can give us an idea in terms of what revenue, how, how much of your revenue is coming from Eastern Europe, for instance, that would be really helpful. Um, so the second question is on the revenue per unit, uh, which obviously you know, increased very strongly in 2021. Uh, what is your sort of basic assumption for the how that revenue per unit can evolve in the next few uh, quarters? Uh, and what is that going to further contribute to your, your GPU improvement? Um, and the third question is on your retail GPU. I think that you, you said in Q1 you expect to reach already 6,700 euros. Uh, in the press release, you also expect um, a quarterly improvement uh, of the next few of the next few quarters. So, so could you get to that 1,000 euros, much rather than expected. So where do you think you're going to end up uh, at the end of, uh, of 2022, based on what you see today and uh, your comments about ramping up the profitability? These are the questions. Thank you. Yeah, so maybe I can start. So, uh, a bit of a little question. Um, with respect to, uh, the situation in Eastern Europe, basically you can assume the closer the market is to the world location, the more impact we're seeing. Um, we have seen, um, yeah, a pretty much direct impact from the, from the start of the war, from the first day, um, from those markets. And, um, this is on a, how we call the slow recovery path right now. As we also outlined in the script, um, it's really, uh, it's really hard to say how this will develop, um, because we also don't have a fast hold. Uh, we think that the amount that is not served in those markets right now creates the same level of demand, um, because prices are just shifted overall. Um, with respect to the merchant business, uh, we are selling into uh, over 30 markets. So our platform character of business means that our network will just itself that new situation. So certain cards will become cheaper. Certain cards will take different flows and will take um, a couple of weeks 
how the system can adapt to that. Um, and what we try to do, uh, also how we how we outlined it in the script, uh, is take those effects that we're seeing um, already into the corridor for our guidance. On the low end of our corridor assumes, to the best of our knowledge, the impact that um, we see right now compounded for the full year. While we think that it is unlikely that uh, the demand um, situation will stay unchanged for the rest of the year. Um, do you want to add anything to that? No, I think I think that's um, I think a good description. Perhaps going to the second and third question. I think the second question was around. Um, assumptions on revenue per unit, I think particularly in the retail area, and then on I'll start on the retail GPU. Um, with respect to revenue per unit, um, our assumption is that on the consumer side, um, it will be above the full-year average, but broadly flat, perhaps slightly increasing, with the Q4 uh, retail ASP. But of course, working to make the cars um, as affordable as possible. Um, and so, uh, so see that that, that will stay um, more or less in line, perhaps with just a, a slight increase. Um, on the merchant side, I would say a similar dynamic, um, assuming um, perhaps a, a little bit more of an increase relative to Q4 um, merchant ASPs for, for the full year. I think with respect to the retail GPUs, and maybe I start and Christian can um, follow up. I think, um, as you said, we're seeing uh, already in Q1 a, a significant expansion of the retail GPUs. I think that's really been driven uh, by having much more data on, on the retail cars um, that, that we're, we're buying, um, really putting much more cost control around uh, the refurbishment and the refurbishment process on the cars. Uh, internal refurbishment or internal production is at the moment still a fairly small proportion of our overall GPU. So, so that is still something that we can expect to see the benefit of uh, towards the second half of this year as those internal, as those production centers begin to ramp up. Perhaps Christian, you can give a little more color on the retail GPU. No, just maybe the, why, why are we doing this now? Because I mean, like the the, the demand, the impact, um, and that that we're seeing is not something that uh, we can directly change because they're not under our control. Of course, any increase um, of uh, conversion rate in our shop will will mean that we can sell more cars for a little bit lower amount of traffic that we're currently seeing. Um, this is why we um, have it. Just tomorrow, to talk about um, retail GPU and to um, understand it much better and to push some of the some of the initiatives that we have on that faster. Going forward, there is a number of uh, factors that we haven't um, uh, worked on yet, or only to a very small degree. And this, yeah, makes us positive. On the overall overall outlook for, for uh, retail GPU going forward, because there are effects like improved selection. So, how many calls of 2012 do I need to have at that point in time? Wednesday, March uh, 23rd of 2022. So, how many do need to be in inventory given the current levels of traffic in the Netherlands, in Poland? And in Germany, so this is algorithms that we're building for that, and there's a lot of upside potential once we, once we start um, tailoring the selection better. Automatic pricing, as I told you, and I also described this very detail in my letter, but there's not yet uh, any automatic pricing in retail because the, the the scale and the data that we need for this to work is something that is currently filling up. Marcus was commenting on the internal refurbishment that's showing good progress, not yet uh, any effect in the retail GPU that you're seeing. Something that we haven't talked a lot about is like improved delivery time. So the faster we'll be able to transport with scale with more units, more auto your trucks, the better we tailor 
our um, delivery network to um, the existing logistics network that we have the better this will become. But there is, of course, a lot to learn. This is what we always have to make clear again. So here is a young business. Um, this is where we're investing a lot into it. We are convinced that the dominant way of transaction will be online in the future because it's just a so much better experience. And we can now um, prove this in the data with the NPS data that we have and with the survey that I also mentioned in the letter. So we know that we are on the right track, but it now takes time to build out all of those facts that, uh, yeah, we're taking over time on our route to a 3,000 euro GPU. Thanks. Can I just follow up on my, my first question about uh, how, how much uh, uh, of your revenue is coming from Eastern Europe? Because I think you've got to say the traffic breakdown, I think it's roughly 60%, but so we don't we don't disclose we don't break it down, but um, you can broadly assume it's, it's less than that. So it's closer to around 20% from Eastern Europe. And don't forget that of course the cars are bought on a pan-European basis. So those it has a dampening of, of demand, but it doesn't mean that those cars don't get bought. Ultimately, they will still get bought, just that the incremental buyer won't necessarily come from the market who is facing, you know, the external shock of, of a war on their borders. Um, so that it, puts, it puts a dampening on the overall pressure, but those cars will ultimately get bought in one way or another. Thank you. Casper uh, O'Neill from City informed me that she is in a Norway conference, so uh, she asked me to read out the questions on her behalf. So, SQ3, you are comfortable with 90,000 units for Auto Hero this year. That is now the high end of the range. Is this caution affecting consumer demand you're seeing now? If so, why do you think that the online penetration is that low? And cyclical factors are not caused by structural headwinds of more people shifting online. Yeah. Uh, so, maybe I can start here. I mean, it's not the only factor. I mean, it's one factor. <laughs> so, one factor is higher use car price levels, which was just outlined um, in the presentation. Uh, so, this means that um, we have a lower demand for cars in the lower segment, so there's less offering there, and the higher demand for more expensive cars. And those more expensive cars, they have a slower turn, just by nature. So that is the one effect. The other one is, the other effect is that because of Omicron, we just haven't outputted, um, all the cars that we wanted to output. So I would think that the effect is around about 2,000 cars in the full quarter. And then thirdly, we've seen like, um, direct impact of demand overall, uh, across, across, uh, Europe, uh, since the start of the Ukraine war as outlined. And those factors, are contributing to um, to our new unit guidance. Of course, you're right. We are very, very early in the game. So if we're that small, why, cannot, why can't we outperform? Um, because we're running like a closed system. So we have a given amount of traffic. Um, if that traffic lowers because of demand, then we will be able to sell less cars. If that traffic increases, we will be able to sell more cars. Now, what I also outlined in the letter to shareholders is we are putting a lot of resources at the start of this year to aim to realize conversion improvement. So over time, and to lead this business to break even, we are investing a lot of teams and effort and time and energy to make sure that our store converts better over time. So the better our store will convert over time, the less traffic it needs for a given amount of cars to sell. Um, and as we haven't shown like, direct, like massive progress in this area over the first eight weeks, because as I outlined, we're learning a lot, we're understanding the business, very, very um, uh, talented part. This is why any uh, reaction of outside effects We'll have also an we'll also have a consequence on an effect on the total amount of units sold, given um, 
that the sectors that came um, without yeah, without plans, without being planned for. I think yeah, I hope this explains a little bit how this uh, new guidance is being produced. Much shorter question. Uh, why was the growth margin in merchant lower in Q4? I think that the GPU was um, substantially higher. Um, and I'm not sure if... If there's also like a short answer, so AST increase? Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, AST increased faster than the growth in the margin, but the GPU exactly. was significantly higher. Exactly. And then, probably related to that, we discussed your guiding to stop the unit in consensus and what makes it comfortable on pricing remaining strong. What, what do you mean about pricing? Like pricing remaining strong? Like I guess AFT is remaining high because obviously like our revenue guidance is in line yeah. consensus well unit guidance is low consensus. AFT will stay high because the environment is far from normal that we're operating so there's there's even more constraints on new cars in the the recent um, uh, situ- like situation and start of the war uh, and impact on new car production volumes. So the trends that have affected the used car industry last year will be even uh, yeah might be even stronger this year with respect to the ASPs and we think that the ASPs are being included in our um, in our guidance are actually quite conservative given that uh, there's also like a, a good chance ASPs could even rise further. Thanks. Uh, let's then turn over to Andrew Potter from HSBC. Andrew, your line is now open. Thank you guys. Um, a few from me. Um, could you just talk about um, the, the, the sort of the revenue guidance before you yeah. you annualise Q4, your the bottom end of the range is coming in um, below that annual annualised I mean, just how conservative is that? And did you disappoint if you came in at the bottom end of the range? It feels pretty light, light to me. Um, second question, you talked about taking down purchases below 800 euros. I'm just wondering what you can expect from that. Is that going to be a, a further drag into this year on overall unit volumes? And, and are you trying to eradicate uh, purchases below that 800 euros? And then I guess the last question, um, you talked about uh, building brand awareness for the auto hero business, and you talked about Germany, and then you talked about France. Uh, and when we look about where you're building refurbishment capacity, it's more, you know, Germany, but then into Poland and then Spain. I'm just wondering why there's a, a difference there. Is it, is it down to, um, you know, why, why are you putting infrastructure down when you're building brand awareness in France? Is there something that I'm, I'm missing there? Yeah. Uh, maybe I can start with that question, because the last one is the easiest one to remember. Um, no, you're not missing anything here. So uh, we are also... Um, uh, I would say closely before announcing uh, a refurbishment center in France, so that will just um, teach a little more. And on the other hand, we're also building financial brand awareness in all of other uh, all of our other markets. So they're a little bit smaller than the two that you uh, see in the chart. Um, maybe we should just share that in the, in the next call. I hope this answers your question. But yeah, there's no like there's no uh, disconnected growth. So we're growing all of our markets and especially the key ones with Germany, Italy, Spain, um, and France, which are the largest. Uh, revenue per unit outlook, uh, Marcos, do you want to comment on this? So I think on the, on the, on the revenue guidance, um, I think it is uh, conservative, but at the same time, um, we don't know exactly where we will um, ultimately end up. I think I think more relevant is really um, if we look um, and where we're looking at is 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 also the, the GP and ensuring that we continue to grow on the on the GP side. And so I think clearly if, if we end up with um, on the low end really wanting to make sure that, that uh, we capture kind of all eventualities as a result of 
war in the Ukraine and, and how that will impact through the rest of the year, but it's, it's, it's conservative and, and is meant to be conservative. Um, we clearly are aiming much, much higher than that. I think one point to your second question on the sub-800 euros. Um, if you take a step back and think about what a sub-800 euro car actually is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cheap car, and it's one which ultimately is uh, a less profitable car unless you purchase it at the right price. And I think what we wanted to show is not only have we gained market share um, significantly over the past year, and uh, and you know gaining that in a declining market, but we're doing so with inventory that will lead to sustainably higher margins. And in a sense, regardless of of what happens in terms of the macro picture, the systems and the processes that we put into place that enable that are far better than they were a year ago. And so viewing that sub-800 or not buying as many sub-800 is something that would lead to ultimately more profitability, a stronger and better business over time. Yeah. So for this year, I would assume only a slight increase in that percentage. Um, I mean, all, everything that Marcus just mentioned is correct, and, uh, and this is how we came here. Uh, the, it might be driven so like a little bit more um, units uh, in share uh, of, of those that are worth more than 800 euro higher share there might be coming because of uh, overall increased ASPs, but I think uh, it will not go substantially higher than this level that you currently see. Okay, thank you. I was surprised you were selling less than 800 euro vehicles at all, really. So, um, I just sort of wonder whether you were trying to remove that from the business. Yeah, it's a, I mean, what we're trying to do is also, you know, like most importantly is that we're generating outstanding experience. There are customers that want to get rid of their cars and then, uh, in this segment and just want to sell it. And a lot of those are also interesting for, um, especially our Eastern European markets. And, um, this is why we have had a trade-off yeah, between the possibility of those units and uh, the custom experience that we want to generate for, for everybody in this market. Thanks, guys. Uh, and then on to Andrew Ross from Parkis. Andrew, your line is now open. Okay, that's one. Um, I've got to see as well. My first one is just following up on Lisa's question on the PPE for Cahiro through this year. Direction here clearly sounds like it should improve quarter on quarter as we go through the year. Could I press you to actually give a expectation for where you think the 22 GP may end up for here if I missed that? Um, the second one is uh, to ask you for guidance on merchant units for Q1. Um, and then the third one is how you're kind of thinking about purchases of cars on Hero as you go into Q2 and, and kind of cars that are already sat on the balance sheet. It sounds like Consumer demand is still a bit uncertain. So then maybe some of those factors around Omicron and some of the shift to higher value cars might start to go through. It just help us with the puts and takes and on how to control Q2 units and also hero because you're purchasing and cars already on the balance sheet. Thank you. Um, on the GPU charge here off this year, so I think we're on a good track with the, with the levels. Um, that we expect for Q1. Um, I think after that, it's very hard to say because it depends on how good we are in in really executing the levers that I have talked about. So going sure of internal refurbishment uh, and more tailored selection and and all the other effects that we that we mentioned. Um, so. I think it will be positive, but it's very hard to, you know, create an expectation for that. And for me, Marcus, do you want to add anything here? I think perhaps to add, I mean, I think first in terms of Auto Hero units um, and, and GPU over the course of this year, um, I think it's really important to note that, as Christian said earlier, we're investing significantly on a huge amount of 
um, conversion improvements, conversion blocker reductions, uh, expanding you know the inventory, a, a lot of broadening that, a lot of the things that um, he presented in, in the slides, and each one of those incrementally adds more demand for the same amount of marketing. And so therefore, you feel very comfortable that those investments, even if there's an overall uncertainty in consumer demand because of the current geopolitical, and I'm using that as a, as a catchphrase to include war in Ukraine and petrol prices and inflation and all these other things that are weighing on people's um, minds. But at the same time, when, when you play the long game as we're doing and we continue to incrementally invest in better search functionality, all these kinds of things that, uh, that, that we've been talking about, that means that each one of those will add incremental demand, which we think therefore offsets um, as, as well as we grow in inventory and, and these clearly to, to better, better growth. Um, we're not giving specific guidance as to AutoHero GPU for this year. We, we gave it for 2023, which is the 1,000 euros per car, although clearly being at 600 to 700 euros in Q1 gives us a lot of comfort uh, and that's without internal refurbishment, uh, gives us a lot of comfort in getting to that thousand euros per car um, by uh, 2023. Um, with respect to merchant units, I think your second quarter, your second question, um, we're very comfortable with um, the, the unit um, uh, consensus that, that, that's out there and, um, and that, that continues to um, go well uh, despite um, going into uh, a more uncertain um, environment. Just clarify what, what you think consensus is for Q1 merchant units. According to my visible alpha chart that I had here, it's around 150 or 151,000 units or so. Consensus. Okay. Consensus. That's exactly. Sorry, that is. I'm reading from a publicly available. <laughs> That's fine. So they're kind of getting to all those oh. to make sure we're on the same page. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, and now over to Will Packer from GMT. Will, your line is now open. I don't know. That wheel is not able to unmute. Hi, Kai, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Sorry, well, there was an issue on my computer. Um, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, firstly, on um, industry-wide competitive developments in Europe, um, we've seen some headlines from Kazoo around sponsoring teams and launching shortly. Um, we've seen Constellation do uh, deals as well. Are you seeing any impact on the ground from their moves, first question? And then secondly, in the UK, some of the um, online dealer players have been acquiring traditional dealers, and they're kind of talking to various benefits of doing that. Could you talk through whether that's a strategic option for you, or is that um, your, your kind of reconditioning focus yourself means that's less applicable? Thanks. Sure. Uh, so on the competition, the short answer is no. So we only see impact from what we're doing and uh, traffic levels we're enjoying and that are going up and down depending on what happens with the world. Um, so we're very, very focused um, on our mission. Uh, we are and have executed uh, very well so far despite the circumstances and the competition has not been an impact. So even if since Kazoo acquired, acquired a company like Homebrew in Italy, um, that company was there before. So now just because it belongs to Kazoo doesn't change anything for us. Um, and it's much more important that we continue to execute on our vision thoroughly. On the point of the offline dealership, so I'm always thinking, did Amazon acquire like Barnes & Noble? where they are, and I, I cannot remember that they did this ever, not even in other markets where they haven't been present. So, you think, and this also in my letter, which you linked in your email, thank you for that, that um, an online dealer will be able to serve all demand at all times if done 
rightly. This is the vision that we're executing towards to, where a lot of customers are able to check out completely on their own 24-7. Um, while some of our competitors might need to acquire physical infrastructure, we have that infrastructure. We have the team where we employ over 6,500 full-time employees across Europe. And our team is growing, and we have the experience, and we have the skill set, and the data, and the technology. We know what we need to do. Um, and therefore, we don't think it makes sense to uh, acquire an offline dealership, because the first day you were acquiring an offline dealership, what would you need to do? You would need, like, to be consistent with your equity story, you would need to shut that, reduce that offline business, right? You would need to start shutting those cars down uh, and you would stop you would stop welcoming customers physically to your branch because otherwise you're creating an offline which is not what we want because the advantages like also long term and profitability and everything become an online um, dealer and not with an offline dealer so you would actually need to destroy that business after you have acquired it for probably some money um and it cannot be your strategy. Or you're saying, look, I'm not building an online dealer. I'm building an offline dealer uh, with an online extension. But that's a completely different business model because now, like in our point of view, you will not be able to scale that like continuously. And I think you are in the business of M&A and you need to continue to buy offline dealerships and maybe you are able to consolidate them. But from what I've heard, it's not that easy to integrate offline dealerships because they all have fixed software running. This is our view, and this is why we believe so much in the unity of the platform. We have the same software installed across all the departments that we're operating in. But if we want to change something in our process, which is absolutely key to, to pull the levers that I outlined in terms of GPU and overall throughput and so on, if we're changing something in our systems, it's high for all markets. Um, because we're operating on the same platform. Why I want to change something in our refurbish, like in our uh, evaluation branch infrastructure processes, I can change it in the software. And I can do that overnight if I want to. And I think this is the real strength. Of course, you can generate unit volume and, and revenue, but I mean, what do you do with the branch? You, you throw away the brand. And then also the brand that you pay for, because larger dealerships have maybe like a brand value. I mean, that doesn't make sense for us. <laughs> That's the conclusion. And I suppose in terms of Carvana's acquisition of a better... It's can, different. Yeah. It's different. And, and, you're, and you're already kind of pretty well-placed in that segment. That, that, I think, that I think is a smart acquisition. I mean, I think it's not only an IRC acquisition, but uh, it's, it's also a sourcing uh, acquisition. I, I know that Ernie didn't like uh, yeah, sell it that way. But, I mean, that would be my guess. Of course, I don't know. Like, specifics. I think that's different because it's like you're creating. Like, I mean, I think they just created a lot of the RSCs that we needed in the future. Like, at once, and they still they still need to um, yeah, research them and develop them, right? With over one billion dollars of investment. But I think it's also um, I think it's also like a sourcing piece that is that is interesting. But yes, I mean, we've got one of the largest B2B auctions out there, and we are the largest B2B auction in Europe. So, yeah, if, if you look at it from that way, it's a confirmation of what we have done over the last decade. Thanks, Christian. Uh, James Musk has done very good research also asked me to read out his question. Uh, what is the thinking behind the EBITDA margin drop-off in 2022? Is this a worsening in performance, or is this auto hero contribution becoming more material, dragging down the margin? I guess that's you, Marcus. Yeah. Um, so we continue to invest uh, significantly in auto hero. Um, Specifically, one, we're investing on um, marketing and building up the brand, and secondly, also investing in uh, operations and, in particular, on um, production. And so it's a combination of, on the one hand, while we clearly see the gross profit continuing to increase 
over the course of uh, 2022. Um, the investments that we're making this year in particular um, are ones that will offset that uh, for this year. As I talked about, I think, in, in, in the slides, we see that as, as a current evolution for us to uh, really build and get the benefit of the much higher GPUs that you see in the consumer business and the auto hero retail business. We need to invest now to capture that 3,000 euro per car GPU. And as auto hero continues to one, grow units significantly, and two, grow uh, and expand its GPU over the course of the next two years. You can see the total GPU, of course, and the total GPU um, grow over the next few years so that we end up with a total higher percentage gross margin, while at the same time, of course, the investments we're making in brand and OPEX will lead to very, you know, immediate returns, we think, um, in the next one to two, in the next one to two years. Uh, so it's an investment in the future. We have liquidity right now to, to do it. And, uh, and that's, and that's the, the reason for that, um, that drop in EBITDA for this year. And then we will close with uh, questions from George Kudakutas from UMIS today. George? George, your line is now open. Sorry, thanks. Um, uh, Christian, three questions on auto heroes. The first is uh, updated thoughts on supply, um, and, and I guess in particular with, with newer vehicles, as a partnership with Alain Mobility, which is interested in whether you think there's more partnerships that are required or potential acquisitions. Um, second is the benefit of the local versus pan-European strategy um, and, and whether this, you mentioned that you're seeing um, elements of um, delivery efficiencies on like a local mile basis, if there's any kind of proof points on unit economics that you can point to in, in some of your more mature regions. And then final quick one is just update on delivery um, is, is the approach so high? Is that something that you might start charging for, or is that not in your plan to Thank you for those questions. Yeah, so on the supply side, so we think that um, D2Ps will, uh, so D2P sourcing for Auto Hero will become more important in the outer years. So it's not something that we really need for this year. Um, but of course we continue to invest in remarketing because if you follow the logic from Kavana now also owning one of the largest CP options, we think that in order to create the best supply, you should be able to view any car that is that is out there. And that includes Consumers that want to sell their car, um, we're seeing like a massive amount of consumer evaluations and cars offered for us every week. Um, and that has been yeah, increasing um, via conversion rate improvements in the C2B business and on the further development of self from home. And there's also like a vision here for um, getting to 100% or 95% of pricing, as I mentioned, in the next couple of years. Um, so there's lots of supply that we're seeing. Um, the, there's strategic deals, like the one that you mentioned with Lane, that we think are interesting, but also for our merchant partners, for interesting inventory. So we want to push those, and they're part of the remarketing growth strategy. Um, but yeah, we think overall, we'll focus right now is to choose the right view, right? To really manage the, the micro, on, on the micro level, the selection of cars offered in, uh, in the different auto hero stores or in the, in the, in the global auto hero store that we offer for Europe. So this is a key focus for us. So we, yeah, we were able to buy a lot of cars and this would not be a constraint in any way. Um, we just need to choose the right ones, and, and we need to uh, advance our system much smarter. So you can get a lot, you get a lot more feedback from what is happening in the store, which cars are being bought, uh, how we, how do we adapt our demand forecast? Um, and demand forecast on its own is essential 
and achieve skill set of a retailer. And we're building that out as we speak. So we we are we're putting that together in a in a dynamical algorithmic way. This is how we think. Uh, from the local versus pan-European, so yeah, we see obviously the largest market with Germany uh, having some efficiency um, with logistics, but also here we're very much at the start. So uh, we are in Germany reaching a scale where we can much better how do we need to place our delivery hubs versus the network of transit that we have to um, be able to deliver within seven days. Uh, at the moment, we're delivering. Um, uh, at around uh, 12 to, to 14 days, uh, and we want to deliver within seven, and we need to design the network in the in the right way. Um, and we're seeing this in the big markets, uh, and we're seeing upside there. So you can assume that the German GPU is also higher, like substantially like higher than the than the, the group GPU. Um, and on the delivery, like charging delivery, I think it's something that we would need to experiment with. I think the way that we are marketing our brand and the way that penetration um, in online is increasing faster and taking away share from offline has always been, um, yeah, making sure that the good is less expensive and is coming with it's coming with a lot more comfort. Yeah, if you refer back to Amazon, the folks they undercut wholesale by 40%, like operating on only with 10% margin, but going and going and going, and this way being able to spend much less marketing. So I think it's not the time to do this now, because we really want to build up the brand. Um, but of course, this is also an option and probably also a plan in the coming years for customers that are living further away to make sure that the unit economics and those transactions are also yeah, showing them in the right direction of our long-term target um, that we make continuous progress towards. Okay. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, thank you, everybody, for participating. And uh, that concludes our call for today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Bye-bye.